The Sex Ed with Tim podcast is recorded on the traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people. We acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13, signed with the Mississaugas of the Credit, and the Williams Treaty, signed with multiple Mississaugas and Chippewa bands. You're listening to Sex Ed with Tim. <laughs> Welcome to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I am your host, Tim. I am a sex educator. I identify as chaotically gay. And my favorite form of safe sex is doing it doggy style in a locked vault. Get it? Safe (laughs) sex? No? Okay, that's not as funny. It was funnier in my head. It's funnier in my head, Samantha. I like, I fuck with it. No, I like it. I got it. I'm slow. Oh, I like it. The word on the street is that I'm fast. Oh, mm-hmm. but I'm actually mm-hmm. kind of slow. <laughs> you like it slow and sensual. I'm just a little bit slow. You're just a little bit slow and a little bit of a how. <laughs> <laughs> I always say I want it slow, and then I'm like, I lied. I lied. Sorry. I lied. <laughs> Turns out. Oh my god. I want you to rearrange my guts. So. Yes. Rearrange my intestines, please. Please. <laughs> so, <you> listeners, <laughs> listeners, that beautiful voice that you hear on the other end of the mic is the CEO, the president of sexual <laughs> health and consent the leader of the itty bitty safe sex committee samantha bitty (laughs) hey samantha hey yeah i am samantha bitty my pronouns are she her and i am a sexual health and consent educator in toronto oh my god it's so lovely to have you here what have you been up to samantha i mean what's she not doing (laughs) i have I'm doing everything. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, what am I up to? I didn't have my nap today, so that's some shit. Oh. Uh, I know, she's working. Mm, I've she's had a lot one. of events this week, and I I typically don't at this time of year, so it's just been a, it's been a, it's been pretty hectic, but it's, mm-hmm. it's good, you know? Mm-hmm. Doing my thing, my show's out, all those, all those things. You know what I think it is? It's because, like, it's our second year of being quarantined in Pride that, like, we need some sex educators to like you know step up their visibility in their game yeah and you know what i actually just did a pre-recorded video for toronto pride toronto oh love it. and pardon me i love that like it's so cool that you're doing pride and also like slice yes my show on slice yes, yes. weekly episodes that is uh we just aired our episode on drama which is a focus on experience, pleasure experience versus performance. As an and Aquarius so, and as a gay man, I've never heard of drama. <laughs> what is drama? To what are you referring? Yeah. <laughs> All the drama. I am a miss. Yeah. I mean, our definition of drama is different than, I mean, I'm not an Aquarius, but it's like, I'm a quintuple fire sign. So it's like, my definition of drama is different <laughs> than other people's definition of drama. Absolute right? like, chaos. A, Absolute I have chaos. A, I have, a, I have a, a window of tolerance for drama that might be wider 
<laughs> than others. Right? Hey, you know what? I think that can be a form of harm reduction. Hey, to be quite honest. Need, it's, it's also Gemini season and mm. chaos is what's on the table. So. <laughs> I love that. So speaking of harm reduction, this is what this episode is going to be all about. Like listeners, yes. I want you to listen carefully take notes because i'm going to test you later <laughs> um this is going to be a crash course on everything safe sex and who better than the queen of sexual health to talk about safe sex so samantha i want to get right into it mm -hmm. let's first talk about protection and birth control i don't use any because i'm literally a petri dish but for some people who want to use birth control and protection Let's mm -hmm. go through some things like, first of all, the very first thing that they teach us in sex ed school, condoms. What is it? Mm -hmm. How do you use it? What's it good for? Sure. And so what I want to start out by saying is that the language of safe sex is a misconception, right? Safer sex. It's safer sex. We can always, anytime we're participating in any kind of sex, it's going to, there's going to be associated with it some maybe some element of risk, right? And what's okay about that is that risk is a part of life, right? Mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. we tend to treat the risks around sex as somehow worse or or more dangerous or whatever, but the reality is, is that's rooted in sex shame and that's rooted in mm -hmm. very old ideas about the role that sex and pleasure like play in our lives, right? So it's like, you know, when someone gets when someone contracts an STI, there is like all this like shame and guilt and and uh, you're blame dirty, and you're gross. dirty, you're a slut, whatever it is, right? Whereas, Which are all like, compliments to me, really. I I am fucking disgusting. And <laughs> yes, if you don't we are. know that. <laughs> if you aren't ready, to... no. Okay, we digress. It's like, but <laughs> when when you get other types of infections, bacterial, viral, or whatever, there isn't that same. Um, fear around the risks about it like before COVID-19 how many of us were taking the subway holding the pole and then going to eat food with our hands with our hands uh, in our mouth, not even thinking about it uh, not even you know like all the time we were exposed to viruses and bacterias and whatever and it's only when it's sex related all of a sudden it's like ah da, 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 da. so it brings mm -hmm. us to condoms that you're asking about it's like condoms are a barrier method for mm -hmm. sex typically we think of condoms as like the external condoms. The thing is, is like people often think of condoms as external condoms. Like when we hear mm -hmm. condom, we're thinking about like, you know, rubbers, jimmies, whatever people got, right? So mm -hmm. um, they are for penises and toys um, to help prevent the transmission of STIs as mm -hmm. well as to prevent pregnancy um, made out of different materials, anything from like Natural materials to synthetic materials depends on what feels good. They come in different shapes and sizes. A lot of mm. people don't know that about condoms. They like try one on and they're like, oh, this shit's too loose or it's too tight or it's whatever. But measure. They measure your dick, hun. Girl. Dude, you know, you want to. Mm -hmm. I know, mean, we all, we all have <laughs> like a tape measure for a reason. That's why we got it around the house. Right? It comes in all those little sewing kits and the little tin of cookies. Used to be cookies. <laughs> no, but like... no, but for real, condoms come in different shapes and sizes. And so if it's like not fitting you right, if they're slipping off, if they're breaking, it's like you might just need to measure. And then mm -hmm. a lot of websites will have the measurements 
and you right. just get, you get the right fit. You wouldn't wear clothes that don't fit you, so why would you wear a condom that doesn't fit you? Ooh, preach! If you're not gonna get the right pants, why even bother wearing pants? No, right. I'm kidding. That's not a, an analogy for not wearing condoms. Please. I mean, <laughs> and two, the person on the receiving end too. We often think about the condom wearer. But like mm-hmm. the person who's who's receiving the condom, whether that's on a toy or on a penis or whatever, mm-hmm. it's like we also want to think about how that that's that material or materiality or that texture feels for them. So a lot of people like I feel like non latex condoms are really popular now. Um, they're more widely available. They tend to be thinner. They tend to absorb heat better. They're good for people who have latex sensitivity or latex allergy. I also personally find that like latex makes my pussy smell weird. So it's oh, like, I, I know, right? I, like maybe that's too much, but like, it's not, <laughs> it's not too much. Come on. We're in sex ed with Tim. We're all garbage I know. So you know what I'm saying? It's like, so I've noticed, I'm like, oh, I don't like how my, my pussy feels after I use a latex condom. So I switched to non-latex and it's like, I, I enjoy, I enjoy them as the person on the receiving end of the condom. Right, right. So, right. I heard like um, there's a weird material called lambskin. There What's is the like so lambskin is like an OG method. Um, it was so the thing about lambskin condoms though, so it's natural material, is that it can prevent against pregnancy, but it doesn't prevent against the transmission of STIs. It's oh. por- yes, yeah, so it's porous. Um, it's a porous material that sperm can't get through. Like sperm as a molecule is too big to get through the porous materials of lambskin, but STIs are microscopic enough that within those fluids, they can transmit. So lambskin was what people used before we didn't have non-latex. Okay, but like people still use it today. So why bother using lambskin if we know now that it's not going to prevent the transmission of STIs? What's the point? If if all you're worried about is preventing the transmission of pregnant or transmission of pregnancy, that's how it works. (laughs) It's a fetus and then it comes out the dick and into... We just no. like give birth like a male seahorse and then just put it inside you it through just your goes belly like, button. Oh, the only, <laughs> the only species doing it right, but okay. Right. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like the, <laughs> they par- partnering for life and shit, just like chilling on the little uh, reeds. Like it's so cute. Could not be me. Could not. No, be me. I mean, okay, they partner for life. life. So what, okay, but you know how it works is that when the man's is pregnant, she goes off and does her thing, but she'll come back and visit him like in the reeds. And then the Aww. babies are born. Yeah, that's cute. She's like in these streets. And then she's like, how are you doing, hon? Just checking in. Keep Aww, you company. You're pregnant ass. Um, <laughs> so people will use lambskin if what they're, if what they're, the risk they're trying to reduce is pregnancy. Right? right? People might also like how they feel. I've actually personally never tried them. And maybe I should like to mm-hmm. the, to just for field research. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also internal condoms, which a lot of folks don't know about the packaging still often says quote unquote female condoms. We don't say female because we know mm-hmm. that bodies aren't like that. And they're I put it of, in my ass. And they're really good for anal sex because it's like a cleanlier experience for a lot of people who have like maybe mm. they don't want to douche or whatever it is. Um, it's made out of nitrile, which means it's not latex, uh, which people like if you don't for latex allergy people exactly 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 and they're very durable right um Mm. so yeah there's internal so yeah internal and external external condoms condoms, yeah so they're both good for like uh prevention of birth or birth they're both good for birth control Mm -hmm. and some specific materials are better than other materials to prevent the transmission of stis got it yes well like the only the only barrier method that doesn't prevent in terms of the condom world is lambskin. 
So okay. yeah, that's the only thing. Okay, got but, like, it. I'm gonna write a note on that. The history of condoms is so fascinating as well because, like, back in the day, they would literally use they'd use like silk bags that they'd keep like in the nightstand. They have like a box and they open up their like <gasps> silk bag because they were all everyone's like we're trying to smash, but we're not trying to raise these kids. Like I know, not with an factors. entire plague like the Black Plague is here. Come on, sweetie, Honey, like it's raining time. down. Like, <laughs> It's raining frogs and these like locusts. locusts. Hun. <laughs> I'm not trying to bring up a kid right here. <laughs> Can you imagine having a kid during the apocalypse uh, in this economy? I I'm seeing a so. lot of pregnant people out here, so apparently so. <laughs> really, this is a great oh time God. to do this. And like every single time, I just want to ask them, "Are you sure? Are you sure about this? Are you sure?" Hmm? I mean, from like a feminist perspective, I understand it because for a lot of women and a lot of people who can get pregnant, they aren't afforded the time off work that Mm. they actually need, that they want to parent. So it's like, yeah, maybe they get their like their little like 10 months maternity leave or however long. But like for folks who are like, we're going to be inside for like two years, I get like a bonus. If you're working from home, it's like it makes sense for me to be pregnant right now because please. for one, I don't have to get dressed for two work it's like i'm already working from home i don't have home the burden right of going out in None. the street like mm-hmm. so yeah i i can understand why a lot of people got pregnant right now but i'm not mm-hmm. one of them and True. condoms yeah loves it. i'm pulling out pulling mm-hmm. out is pulling out oh god like how effective is the pull out method anyway pulling out so when we think about birth control methods um in terms of how effective they are we think of them as like the quote-unquote perfect use and then we think about them as like the typical use so typical use being like how most of us are out here using them whether you know whether it's like the pill for typical use it's like that assumes that maybe you like forget one or you take it kind of late or like that kind of thing um with things like condoms typical use is if like things like user error so like not pinching the tip or it breaking or that sort of thing so typical use with with pulling out is it's like oh like I don't I don't know my own ejaculation pattern and maybe I nutted a bit inside and I didn't tell you or like I don't know that I did or whatever it is but pulling out typical use or sorry pulling out perfect use is something like and like don't quote me but it's in the like high 80s like 87 percent effective (laughs) which to me is better than 0% effective. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about harm reduction, right? Because it's like, you know what, the ideal is that we're all out here, like, never nutting in or never, you know, whatever it is, never barebacking, Mm -hmm. never doing all the things that like we want to do or that we're interested in. But, you know, if I have to make the decision between being nutted in and pulling out, and if it's like 85%, and like percentages are weird. It's like Mm -hmm. based on tens of thousands. It's not like, yeah, it's not like literally 15 in every 100 people who pull out are going to get pregnant every time. It's like over the course of a year. <laughs> it's like all this statistics are bunk. Just know that like birth control is all about communication. Mm-hmm. 0% or 80% is better than 0%, but it is used 0% of the time pulling out. For me, at least. Like It's I, what? It's like it's used it? 0% of the time. the time with well, me. I mean, you don't have to worry about pregnancy presumably i, mean, I don't want to assume right. you're the way no. like i don't know about your gully works like i have no idea like... <laughs> i have a huge tree trunk of a cock so okay no I'm uterus good. over here is all we know <laughs> yeah and but so... like 
oh my god, this one guy nutted inside me and told me that he's gonna put octuplets in me, and I'm like, why would you say that? Come on. Okay, but like breeding fantasy is hot. It is. It is. I'm gonna put octuplets in you. It's like that's yeah. how big his load was. Was that the? Was that the? Apparently point? so. Yeah, like he had not nutted for like a month. So uh, yeah, he like kept it for me, and I'm like, ooh, okay. sweet. But, like, why would why you say that after? <laughs> I know, romantic, Mo- right? Modern, modern romance. Honestly, like it. the most I've got is I'm gonna put twins in you. So I feel pressed. Twins? Oh my god, twins. I win. I win. Sorry, Samantha. Out here about octuplets. <laughs> I don't even deserve. <laughs> I don't even deserve multiples. Like, no, just twins. I got twins. eight. You got eight. Wow. Sucking on all four eight times. of my tips. <laughs> Your pussy is four times better than my pussy. Is I what. mean, I don't want to <laughs> brag. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> oh my god, I am the tightest ass pussy in all of the Greater Toronto Area. That is well. a plaque. And you deserve it. I can see it on the wall. Listeners, you can't see it, but I can see it on the wall behind him. The plaque is on the wall. I, as I disclosed to you before the recording, the person I'm seeing right now referred to my pussy as Toronto's wettest pussy. Also, Toronto's best kept secret, which is LOL. Wow. Um, I know. Love and that. we're working towards, he's training me for provincials. Ooh, so Yes. I wonder what the practice regime is like. Just like you know what it's rigorous. Rope. It's rigorous. Mm. Like yeah, you need, I deserve it. You need that like rocky music while you're training. <laughs> Maybe that's what it. I'll do my kegels too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you kegel with like eye of the tiger? <laughs> yes. Because I can't it's like, it. Or eye of the pussy, you know? <laughs> there we have it. See, we're on to something. Oh, my God. Oh, uh, earlier, I wanted to bring this up because you said pills. I don't have to worry about pills, but can you, like, let me in on what's the tea with pills? Yeah, totally. So with birth control pills, uh, there's a couple different kinds. No matter which kind you're on, you have to take it every day. Some Each pill has different kinds of hormones in it. There's a range all of which do the same sort of thing, which is essentially trick your body into thinking it's already pregnant and therefore you don't ovulate. That's like the primary way that hormonal birth control works is that hormonally it tricks your body into not releasing an egg and no egg, no pregnancy. Yes. Right. And so with pills, you want to take your pill at the same time every day, no matter which pill you're on. Is there like a bunch of side effects that come with that though? Sure. I mean, everybody has their own experiences with birth control. For a long time, companies that put birth control out will have like essentially gaslighted women for 50, 70 years now about the side effects of birth control. But the most common ones tend to be like nausea, moodiness, headache. Some people have weight gain. Like it really depends on the person, for a lot of people, those side effects subside after their body like acclimatizes to the hormones. But for some people, it doesn't. And like there's there's dual hormonal methods, ones that have both estrogen and progestin, which if you're someone who gets migraines, it's not safe to take estrogen. And then there's progestin only, which tends to be safer for everyone, including people breastfeeding. But progestin only is associated with mood dips. And estrogen is associated with mood increases. So like agitation versus depression. Wow. 
Okay, mm-hmm. like this is all like so much for me because I don't have to worry about taking. Yeah, you don't. You've never. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a lot yeah. to it's a lot to contend with, and then there's internal birth controls like IUDs, so things that are devices that are inserted into your body mm. to make your uterus like an inhospitable environment for. Pregnancy. What is uh, what does an IUD stand for? IUD is intrauterine device. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what does and it so, do, and like how do how does that work? Sure. So there's like copper ones, right? Which sounds alarming, but they've been around for like bajillions of years. It's a material that's safe for inside your body, right? Um, copper ones don't have hormones. And like I said, they basically what they do is they make the uterus inhospitable to a fertilized egg. So it's like, even if you still like you're still ovulating, right, which we need for pregnancy, an egg can be fertilized, like the sperm can like navigate its way. But it'll be very difficult for the pregnancy to implant in the wall of the uterus if there's an IUD in there. Uh, the the rates of success with an IUD is like 99% effective. Always. Wow. So it's like very, it's extremely high. But the side effects with that is like not everybody's uterus is viable. Like not everybody's uterus can accommodate an, an IUD. IUD? Oh, right? Wow. Like it's really common to have fibroids, polyps, things like that that might be an issue. Because the uterus is a really tiny muscle. We think of it as this like gaping thing that's like inside our stomach or whatever, but it's literally smaller than your fist. I right? love the shape of the uterus. It's so cute and Isn't like, it cute? like a little so heart. Powerful. Mm, yeah, it's I a sweetie. It. I honestly, as much as I don't want a parent, I would love to be pregnant because I'm like, yo, I could make a whole ass person. Like that's in dope. me, that's in a my whole I just turned this shit around. That's li- I created life. Oh my what? god. The power, her mind. She is the blueprint. It's oh amazing. But like anyway, you could give birth to the next greatest sex educator. For we all don't know. know. We don't mm. know what, what they're capable of. But I'm not trying to do all that. So okay. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It's not gonna. I, I don't know who's raising it. It's not me. But like, <laughs> we, <laughs> I barely keep my cat alive. Okay, her and I have beef. Like it's true. Really so, anyways, but it, there's also hormonal IUDs, which are 99.9% effective. So, what they do is they do what the copper IUD does, which is like act as a as like a it is challenging in the uterus, and then hormonally you're not ovulating. Mm. And so, the side effects with copper tend to be worse than with non with hormonal ones because copper mm. people can have really heavy periods, they can have lots of cramping, like. Some people will reject the IUD. Like some people, some people's uterus is like, nope. And it like spits that shit out. Like it really depends, but it is a fairly successful method if you're looking for long-term, like quote unquote, set it and forget it type Mm -hmm. shit. Like, Mm -hmm. and the only thing I'll say about birth control that's super relevant is your lifestyle. Mm, Like depending on what's important to you, that's going to dictate the type of birth control that you want to be on. And for some people, that's none. For some people, that's an IUD because they're like, I don't mind having a crampy period if I don't have to worry about this shit ever. I want to get cummed in every day. And it just, <laughs> it's economical for me to do this both emotionally and whatever, whatever. So it's like whatever your lifestyle is, if you're super forgetful or you do gig work, being on the pill is not necessarily the move. Right. You know, and also, like, that. like it just occurred to me that when we think birth control, we always think of like what she has to do, but what he has to do like why can't we when we think birth control we should automatically think vasectomy like that's Hmm. what i want you know but we live in patriarchy hun so Mm, it's like not everybody's out here trying to clip the dick right they're like oh i'm I'm fertile i need to be fertile but when you i mean honestly like when we look at the studies around quote-unquote male birth control birth control for people who produce sperm they've been at this for years like a more than a decade every time they put a pill to market 
if there's even the tiniest side effect. So like, oh, I had kind of, I was kind of headachey at one point. They're like, back to the drawing board. Mm-hmm. We can't mm-hmm. be out here with these men having side effects. Whereas oh, women have men. bared the men, women have bared, and people who can get pregnant have bared the burden of preventing pregnancy and all kinds of side effects for ever like literally mm-hmm. forever we had mm-hmm. people shoving moss up their pussy trying to prevent this shit oh. i'm like you know what i'm saying like we've been we've been bearing the brunt of it because our bodies bear mm-hmm. the fruits of it right the fruits and, of the labor fruits and, of your the, labor. and the labor and then mm-hmm. when they're out in the world it's like you know typically anyway all right. i have to say i saw um, that like i saw this tweet it was like when we think birth control how come it's like instead of wearing a bulletproof vest why not just unload the gun you know, like That's so much sad. easier. Like, just snip your dick off, and like it's reversible, right? I mean, the thing, and again, it's like we have a very paternalistic, patriarchal, medical system, scientific community, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it's like, let's say vasectomy. I don't know the stats around it, but it's like vasectomy is reversible. Mm. I totally known people to get pregnant after their partner has reversed their vasectomy. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it is a, it can be effective. Mm-hmm. For the the like tiny percent of people who maybe it can't be reversed or the tiny percent of people who might have testicular pain after it's like all of a sudden it's not viable. Whereas as a society, we treat women's pain and feminized people and people with uteruses, our pain is treated as less important, mm-hmm. less than, especially as we're racialized, especially as we're migrant, especially all those things. Right. So it's like, mm-hmm. those are the reasons. Right. I was actually and, about to ask, like, what are the factors that contribute to people having access to these uh, methods of birth control and protection like do you I, notice some um, like a specific demographic having less access than another of course I mean I haven't worked in the clinic sector for probably like five years now maybe a little under five maybe three or so I can't remember time is different now in panorama I don't know it doesn't exist what the fuck I don't know how long anything's been but I'll check my LinkedIn I'm not sure but like <laughs> um Yes, there is definitely, like every other thing, disproportionate access to resources. So, for example, like I grew up in Scarborough and the entire time I was growing up, there was like one sexual health clinic and we were all trying to get appointments there and you couldn't take time off school. You couldn't like, you know, things like that. So it's like the availability of it. And then there's also the intersection of culture where it's like, okay, I don't necessarily want to go to my family doctor because my family doctor will straight up tell my Caribbean father that I'm on birth control. And all of a sudden there's like issues in the home. Dad, why? What? Mm. Um, I'm holding it for a friend. I'm just holding it for a friend. I'm just holding it for a friend. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like, I think that there are many different reasons why people have uh, difficulty accessing birth control. But like when I lived, when I worked in a, centralized uh sexual health clinic i won't name the name uh the predominant community was white cisgendered women right and there was like there's also a certain level of comfortability in healthcare settings when you aren't marginalized by racism poverty etc 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 and so um certainly all those different factors in society come into our access of birth control and a lot of them are rooted in shame as well and like I did birth control work in East Africa uh, for a time. Oh, cool. And yeah, it was a really amazing experience. It was actually one of my first experiences creating independent outreach type content. Um, and like 
work, like working in a community. And yeah, like visiting different healthcare settings and like talking to different healthcare providers and then talking to the women in the community I was working with. And, you know, it's like there was so much stigma about certain methods. There were so many like rumors and myths and things like that about certain methods. And so, um, and some of those things were like informed by the like, quote unquote, social determinants. So it's like, Mm. you know, whatever, whatever. And it's like, uh, So yeah, all of those different factors in society come in to inform how people access birth control, whether they do, um, whether it's easier for them just to have like uh, an abortion versus be on a method of birth control, like all those things. Is there any way that we can like bridge that gap so that people like us can have access to sexual health resources and birth control and protection, like so we can access it a lot easier? I think... I mean, there's definitely been some, like, innovations as of late. Like, there have been some, like, disruptive technologies. Like, having birth control delivered to your home has become more normalized. Like, needing a prescription is, like, a different experience, et cetera, et cetera. I think there's always going to be bureaucracy around it because it's, like, controlled substance to an extent because it's hormones, right? Um, Things like condoms. What I would say is that what we can do, you and I are already doing, right? We're having this conversation with the with the next generation so that even even insofar as when they get to medical school they're like yo why aren't we learning about abortion why aren't we learning about birth control why aren't we learning about maternity why aren't we learning about pleasure as a doctor i should know these things because people are going to come to me and be like i want it i want this and then it's like i want to get it in but i don't want to get sick exactly that right so it's like a lot of healthcare providers are ill-equipped to have these conversations. They have outdated information. They're not thinking about the end user. Like they're not thinking about the person coming in. It's like, oh, go on the pill. How many hoes get put on the pill and it's not the right choice for them, but they're just like, oh, well, this is this is what my doctor gave me. I didn't question it. I didn't know how to take it. I don't know. You know what I mean? And it's like, mm-hmm. we, it's, mm-hmm. it's a generational thing, hun, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but I see it changing. Like when I work with young people, like between 13 and 20, I see the shift and it's fucking beautiful. Slowly but let's surely. Play, let's play one. So my big thing is trivia, right? So sexy mm. sexual health trivia. Ooh, I'm, I'm going to ask you a trivia question. Yes, here. Ooh, true, Are you Jeopardy style? Yes, it's Jeopardy style. So true or false, this is a safer sex question. Mm-hmm. Only girls get periods. Uh, I'm going to say as like a privileged man, True. See, the answer is false, hun. What? No. Because gender, being a girl, is a gender. Whereas our gender does not determine our gully works. It doesn't determine our reproductive organs. So boy, like trans boys can get periods. No right? way. Yes. My brain. That is that's cool. And like and we need to talk about guys who need like period products, yeah, yes, exactly. And men who need birth control. So a lot of men will go, will get a, a uh, get a copper IUD because it's non hormonal. They don't want more estrogen. They're trying to get rid of the estrogen, right? But they, they doesn't mean that they're not necessarily ovulating. Oh, okay, right. Mm. And like that trans that trans spectrum is so broad like just because you're a trans man or just because you're a man doesn't mean you need to go on testosterone Mm -hmm. that might be a decision that you make Mm -hmm. but like it doesn't mean you need to have a hysterectomy might be a decision that you make but it's like so when we're talking about birth control we also have to talk about it in a way that 
you know, I want to be in clinic spaces where trans men can come in and not be assumed that they don't need birth control. Right, right. And like, so, because you never really know what's going on inside people's like stuff. No. Yeah. Mm. And so it's like, to answer your question, how do we address these inequities? It's like, it's through these conversations. It's people like us in these streets teaching these young people. So again, that once they get to medical school, they're like, oh yeah, like the, the trans folks are part of this conversation, that right. women are part of this conversation, that boys yeah. that don't get periods, that can't get pregnant are part of this conversation and they feel accountable to the conversation. Yeah. Inclusive, thorough, and comprehensive education for everyone. That's what's up. That's I what's up. I love it. Oh my God. That gave me like an intelligence boner. I am feeling Good. like <laughs> you like giving me an intelligence boner. <laughs> I'm that bitch. That's why I have a show. <laughs> Yesterday I was sexting with someone and they told me the way I speak is hypnotic. And I was like, that's it why is. they pay me the yeah. money. It is. I think <laughs> you can funny. be like, I think you can be like a, a phone sex operator. I wit- I missed out on that. You know what I mean? Because it's not really of our generation in the same way. But mm-hmm. like I could, yeah, I could. Mm-hmm. I'd be good at it because my tone, my voice, my range of voices, like yeah, oh, oh. and then oh. like you just did like a really butch masculine voice that kind of like got me a little hot and bothered just earlier. I'm like, oh, okay, okay, hey yeah. Sam, <laughs> you know what? Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm in the mood for? <laughs> what kind of pick would turn you on to send to me? <laughs> I want to know. Oh, just send me like a picture of your, I don't know, your latest photograph of the skyline or something. Just like, how artistic are you? What? Like, did you even take this at golden hour? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Have you ever watched my column, my, my, my sex ed column called Bitty Bits? And it's Mm -hmm. like the, Mm -hmm. I did the like, how to take good nudes or whatever it's like about like good, good, good nude lighting or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Using the golden hour and like angles. Yeah. All Even that. if you uh, work nine to five. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Do- I'm gonna make Dolly proud with a good nude. Working nine it. to five. Yes, we I am. It. Oh my god. <laughs> I want to. Uh, I want to shift the conversation a little bit sure. to a little more sciency kind of stuff. So, uh, I know the term STD is no longer uh, to date. Mm-hmm. We're gonna use the term STI. That is correct. Yes. So there are multiple STIs, sexual transmitted infections. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to know like what some of the some of the most common ones are and how they're transmitted. So the first one I hear about is chlamydia. Yeah, totally. So the way I actually feel like we can talk about this in a really concise way Um, not necessarily going one by one but Mm -hmm. what i would say is like the first thing is that we shifted that language infection versus disease because disease connotes something that is most often not people's experiences of sexually transmitted viruses bacterias etc right so Mm -hmm. infection is just a more accurate way of imagining and it also carries like way less stigma mentally and emotionally around yeah so infection so the way we think about them typically is in different categories um curable versus manageable right Mm -hmm. so curable stis are things that you contract you take some medicine or you get that shit frozen off or antibiotics or something. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes away. It doesn't mean you can't get it again, but it goes away, right? If it's untreated, then you could get it again from the same partner, et cetera. Um, Manageable is where it's like, it's a forever thing that's with you, you know, herpes, 
uh, is like the most glaring one. But even with HIV, the ways that they have evolved these medications, it's like it's if you have an wild. undetected status, you mm -hmm. are untransmissible. Yeah. which means that you cannot transmit that virus to somebody else and mm -hmm. somebody who's on prep as an example too so like that's me that's what's up and so mm -hmm. we'll actually get into that when we talk we'll we'll, we'll get we'll get to prep i think it's important right. to discuss it oh hell yeah prophylactic mm -hmm. healthcare choices right that's mm -hmm. that's why you're out here bareback you're like i'm good honey you're barebacking <laughs> just like give me all of your juices give daddy me. give me give me give me <laughs> so thirsty Ooh, um parched. protein i actually did a study i read these studies when i was in college around um sperm and depression and it was like people who uh received sperm so they looked at a lot of women but also anybody who was like receiving sperm was less depressed <laughs> if, you, if you were in the if you were re receptacle of nuts <laughs> you are less likely to be depressed oh wow i gotta tell this peer -reviewed to my therapist. study yeah peer-reviewed study I mean, I would argue that there's like any number of sociological factors. I was like, yeah, because I'm smashing. Like, of course, I'm less depressed. Like, all of us out here who didn't have sex for this whole last pandemic is like, wow, I never experienced depression on this this frequency before. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, for me, I think that when I swallow, I just think that sperm is keto friendly. I'm like, yes, my oh, waist yeah, is protein. snatched. Ooh. You're so yes. It's like this snatched. is a healthy, this medicinal fucking blowjob yes. that I just. Oh my gave. god. Imagine just like how much money I can save just like swallowing nut rather than buying my antidepressants. Like Seriously. I could be happy by the time I'm like in uh, by the time I'm 30. Just like, come on, yeah. give it to me. Just give me all the nut. <laughs> Zoloft, what have you done for me lately? Like... True. Like, <laughs> okay, but Adivan, girl. Back, <laughs> back on track. Um, curable versus manageable. So it's like, yes herpes being a forever thing but there's ways to manage it so it's like uh lifestyle choices medication cold sores are herpes this is not mm -hmm. something that people talk about enough if you're someone who gets cold sores you have herpes and that's what's mm -hmm. up and you can transmit that to somebody's junk or their asshole or whatever and so it's important to know what those symptoms are of like an outbreak coming on and just communicating that and making decisions around that right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. curable manageable and then we also have viral uh bacterial and parasitic those are the other three kind of ways that we categorize stis and so infections that are bacterial are things like chlamydia gonorrhea syphilis viral is herpes hpv so both genital warts and internal the kind that causes cervical uh malformation that can then turn into cancer and then there's HIV, which is also viral. And then mm. parasitic would be things like crabs Ooh. and trichomoniasis. That's the right? one I was having such a hard time saying. It was like, it's such a fancy schmancy word. Do you know what? I actually love the word trichomoniasis. And a lot of times oh, yeah. in, the, in the community, we'll say people will be like, oh, they had trick. And I'm like, <laughs> oh. Say, say trichomoniasis. It's so fun. It's so fun to say. Oh my god! It's so fun trick. to say. <laughs> it's trick. Uh, yeah, so trichomoniasis. God. That should be so my safe it. word. <laughs> trick. Trick. Trichomoniasis. 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 
don't know how many syllables you can get out, hun. Um, uh, but ejaculation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. So how? Do, so those are all the ways that we kind of imagine STIs in different categories, and then the ways they transmit. Typically speaking, for like uh, so through fluids, right? So whether that like sexual fluids, so sperm, vaginal fluid, anal fluid, some saliva, right? Some STIs through saliva. Um, and then there's through skin-to-skin -skin contact. So things like herpes, genital warts, it's, you know, rubbing junks together, mm. um, mouth to genitals, genitals mm. to genitals. Mm. Um, and, you know, your girl loves a dry hump. So it's like, got to be aware of that skin-to-skin oh -skin yes. contact. But again, it's like, STIs don't just like manifest, right? It's like someone right. has to be positive for the STI for there to be transmission. For mm -hmm. a lot of those skin to skin ones, it's like uh, you have to be having an outbreak for right. there to be transmission. Right. And then uh, the other way that STI is transmitted is through blood. So whether that's through needle use or if it's through um, like the sharing of paraphernalia, like even sharing mm -hmm. straws, things like that, like straws, things that needles, we were talking yeah. about. Yeah. So those can also be ways of transmitting. And then there's, there's, there's infections that we don't necessarily think of STIs that can be sexually transmitted. Things like hepatitis C, mm -hmm. things like COVID-19, oh, right? It's like technically an STI now that we think about it. Yeah. yeah. True, well, true. yeah. Cause they have found it in sperm and everything, but it, it is, it's not classified as an STI, but it is sexually transmitted. Right. And so that's the other kind of thing where it's like a cold can be sexually transmitted. Mm -hmm. Good thing I'm a Pfizer girl. Hey, mm. hon. I, <laughs> only hot people got Pfizer. You know this. True. It's a hot yeah. Pfizer summer. <laughs> yes. So let's I say also a I, Pfizer girl. Yes, I love it. So let's say I just found out I'm positive for an STI and like I have to disclose that to my partners. Is there a way that I can disclose that that's like not so shamey or like how do we get around the fear of telling previous partners oh I'm actually I actually I'm tested positive, positive for this, this. right yeah. yeah so I think that one of the most important things that we can do around STI stigma and STI shame is to unpack it in ourselves first so get real comfortable with the fact that this is just Shit part happens. of the game Right. Like we, we know that there's risks involved with sex. We, we, we took those risks and it just so happens we had one of the out, unwanted outcomes, which was an impact to our health. I think using neutral language with ourselves about it. So not saying like, oh, she clean or he dirty or whatever. Mm. Like a even, even when we're having a safer sex discussion, even if we're like about to smash someone, it's like, Hey, let's like have it. Like, can we talk about safer sex for a sag? like yeah sure it's like i was tested recently and i'm negative for stis not i'm clean right because as soon as we associate moral language to it mm -hmm. it is it is yeah. deepening that pathway of shame and stigma so it's yeah. like work on it in yourself be like what does this mean about me if i got the flu would i feel the same way like whatever people have diabetes and it's like that's a lifelong illness right quote unquote illness that impacts my quality of life etc but i manage it there isn't the same stigma around it. It's expensive. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a racket, but mm -hmm. it is not, you know what I mean? It's like you don't have the same kind of shame as with sex shame, right? So right. Yeah. unpack that sex shame and stigma within yourself. Yeah. When you're talking clean and dirty, sorry, because like clean and dirty are like adjectives to describe a diaper. Yes. I mean, <laughs> totally. <laughs> a counter, whatever it is, right? Yeah. So it's like me. 
be <laughs> no, it's like, and like I said, it's like, yes, I'm disgusting, I'm fucking filthy, but that has nothing to do with my STI status, right? Very bad. Very and bad. so it's like neutralizing that within yourself first. Cause mm-hmm. I've totally, you know, I've had a lot of people disclose STI positive STI statuses to me, whether that's friends or in the clinics, where they're like, I'm a whore. And this is like, nah, babe, you just, you got your kicks. And this is part of the, this is like I said, this is, this you is know, part you of know, the game. This is part of the game, especially all of us out here, poly and shit. It's like, you know, like there's risks. So True. how comfortable am I with these risks? And so. And there are so, solutions when we're faced with a problem. Exactly. And so mm-hmm. when you're actually disclosing it to a partner, so let's say, I think that there are situations where disclosing to a partner could result in like a lack of your safety. If that's the case, then I don't think you necessarily, like, I think there's mechanisms for disclosure. Like certain STIs Anonymous, are like, what we call, yeah, mm-hmm. what we're called reportable, right? So cl- if you test positive for chlamydia or gonorrhea, public health in your area gets notified because it's like a communicable illness or whatever the fuck, right? And so public health will just call the person and be like, somebody you smashed tested positive for this. You need to get antibiotics. And they're like, okay, bet. You can get like a text. So <laughs> what, but it, let's say you're the one who wants to tell them, you call them up, be like, Hey, can I, can I chat with you about, about like a, something to do with sex that we had? They'll be like, sure. And you're like, I tested positive for chlamydia. So you should, you should get tested and see if you're positive as well. And right. one thing that we, we have to try to remember is that it is often really difficult to map the like genesis of an STI. Mm. Because certain STIs stay dormant, whatever, you know, and it's like, sometimes it's like, yeah, I know that I got it from that person because that's the only person that I smashed, right, 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 right. But it's like, I think that when we neutralize that in ourselves, nothing that someone else can do to shame us can harm us. Mm. I recently, actually, can I share an experience with that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I've gotten cold sores since I was a baby teenager. I got it from making out with a random person at a rave or sharing a or Who fucking knows? I got I got cold sores after it though, okay? Modern romance. Yes, you know, I was just a little, little baby raver. And so mm. I've gotten cold sores since I was 16. It's been 20 years. I've had many, many partners since. I've had many long-term partners since. I've given tons of head I, um, I've actually, I personally have never transmitted it to anybody's junk, right. Uh, or even their mouth. I have like a good relationship to my body and I know, um, and I'm currently on an antiviral so that it prevents the outbreaks because for my own mental health, because I have sex with different people. I'm like, you know what? I just enjoy this more when I know whatever I told somebody that, I was like, you know what? I get cold sores. I'm on this medication. The risk of me transmitting it to you is very low. I'm not having an outbreak right now. Like, are you cool? He's like, yeah, it's like my dick. I'm like, okay, great. The next day, <laughs> we had a great time. The next day, he like freaked the fuck out on me and like shamed the shit out of me and was Ew. like accusing me of all kinds of shit. And I was like, dog. Like, and it really, and it was really, it really affected me. It really, it really mm. hurt because I care a lot about people's informed consent. Right. And I care a lot about people's agency and the types of sex that they have because mm. I didn't have to suck your dick. We could have done many other things. You know what I'm right. saying? But yeah. it's like, um, and that's one of the other things I think that's important to talk about is that like, just because we're positive for an STI doesn't mean that we can't have different kinds of sex when we're having an outbreak of that STI. Right. Example. Exactly. Which actually segues me into the next section of this lovely conversation. Sex techniques that don't necessarily involve any sort of penetration this is fun because like this is where we get to be like creative so i want to know what are your favorite like non-penetrative no fluid exchange techniques like Ooh, yeah. Yeah. No fluid. i mean as 
as Toronto's what is pussy, it's very difficult yes. for there to be no fluid exchange, <laughs> even when I've got jeans on. Mm. You know, I stay dry humping in jeans. I'm just kidding. I can't wear jeans, honey. You see my thighs. You see, you see me. She's too thick for, for my, denim. My um, big ass is always sweating. I got to wear a jock strap no matter what. Even you to got to. Oh, yeah. I got to keep it, keep it comfortable. Keep it right. Keep it tight. You know? Mm -hmm. um, what I would say is that you said one of my three favorite C words, which is creativity. Mm -hmm. um, I also really believe in curiosity. Ooh, so yes. anytime we approach sex with curiosity, anything is possible. And right. so I think opening ourselves up to decentralizing the genitals as the location for sexual right. activities. I because think there's the entire body is a sexual organ. The entire body. And you know, okay, another question. Um in what body trivia. part, yes, trivia, in what body part does arousal begin? In what body part does arousal begin? My big dick. It actually ends there, to be honest. Oh. I, say, <laughs> I say that's where it ends. <laughs> it's the end oh. of the train. Our brains. Oh, I didn't know that. Right? Ooh, so, spill. Spill. Okay. So whether it is the ways that our, our brain signals to our different body parts to get hard, to get wet, to get whatever, or it's the dopamine or the serotonin or the whatever we feel when we're fucking or our ability to fantasize or our ability to come up with different horny shit it's it's all in the brain and it's really important that we decentralize the genitals when we think about sex because not everybody has a sexy relationship to their genitals for many different reasons and not everybody has use of their genitals like all that like if if sex was all about genitals sexual expression was all about genitals what about people who can't get erections? What about people who have no legs? What about, you know, it's like all these different things that impact um, our ability to access pleasure. And so I think that different ways that we can have sex without, you know, P and V, P and A, P and M, M V and V, N like, and, and e. e, whatever it is, <laughs> is um, I, I love exploring with sense and sounds Ooh. our olfactory senses are very 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 powerful um i think i'm really fascinated with textures so um using different textures to explore bodies i think that there's ways to have sex like i mean we've all learned in this pandemic there's ways to have sex without even touching another person oh my god yes i sorry just to like yeah. share a little little tiny story there's this guy that I'm talking to in the United States. He's in Virginia. He's a Marine. Okay. Mm -hmm. And what he does, he like um he opens this app and then he controls my vibrator. Exactly that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I yeah. The remote. Yeah. I think that there's many ways to explore intimacy from a distance for sure. And I think even voice, right? Using hearing each other's voices making making the conscious decision not to touch each other or yourselves reading erotic stories Ooh, dressing yeah. and undressing each other like and just even you know things like kissing is so underrated because there's so many um nerve endings inside of our mouths like exploring somebody else's mouth not in like a aggressive like way that you're like you're like ah get the fuck out of my mouth but like in a in and i think that ultimately 
what it boils down to is presence and intention. And as I said, curiosity, remembering that it's an experience. And so if you take penetration off the table for whatever right. reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's so much. Or like coming up with different boundaries was like, okay, panties on only. <laughs> no matter what happens, panties stay on for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I say everybody because we're having group sex. <laughs> I have done this one thing where, because like I'm a pole dancer, so like oh, I'll do, okay. a, yeah, I'll do like a little bit of a striptease, and then if I, I just don't want to have sex with him, he'll like just jack off, and then I'll just shake my ass in front of him, and then oh boom. yeah, Love I it. mean sure, so like mutual masturbation or even like watching type masturbation, all of that I think like is really hot and can be really mm-hmm. fun, and I think just like letting yourself uh be open to mm-hmm. what could be satisfying and yeah right but i right. love that oh my god that's so hot what are your favorite kind of like non-penetrative things oh like with toys yeah i mean i'm like you know for, for one of the ways i knew i made it as a sex educator was when sex toy companies started hitting me up being like hey we want to send you this shit i'm like Hell yeah, I want that wand. Yes, I'd like that. You know what I mean? It's like, which one do I, which one do I uh, recommend? Whoever paid me last. Like, it's just like, right. no, I'm kidding. I think that, I think that sex toys are really cool, but I think that they're very personal. It's very, it's a personal thing. Not everybody's mm. body responds to the same sensations. Um, You know what? I, I personally love hand jobs. I'm super, Ooh, super, yes. super. Yeah, I really love, I love giving them. I know we said non-penetrative, but I love receiving them. Like, I love yeah, finger I mean, banging. It's like not going into, like, an orifice. You're just, like, jacking them off, right? No, but if I get finger banged, it's going into my, oh, mm, my pussy. I see. Right, right, but right. there's not the risk of STIs or pregnancy with that type mm. of sex, right? Mm-hmm. And it's so important that we talk about sex that's not just, like, P and V or P and A because many people consider sex to be not that. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, people who experience vaginal pain or have experienced trauma with their genital, all those different things. And the way I always think about sex is sex is whatever you say it is, as long as it's consensual and mutual and like pleasurable. Right. You know, like seeking Aww. pleasure. Yeah. So, I mean, but yes, I love hand jobs. I'm obsessed with hands. Like, I, I have a hand fetish. And so, yeah, hand jobs I think are are super hot. So I love this story of like somebody jerking off onto you. I love it. Yes. Oh my god. Like all I did was just like do my little dancey dance, and then he kind of just like came on the floor, and then I'm like, oh, <gasps> I did that without touching you. I love oh. that. And okay. And this is the thing about um, you know, when we when we're talking about sex, what is it that we're seeking from it, right? And it's like for a lot of us, it's like I want to feel like desired. I want to feel yeah. wanted. And it's like, I don't have to be penetrated to feel desired or wanted. The sexiest things like at this age of my life, the sexiest thing partners have done is, is, is how they talk to me <gasps> yes, and, and how they treat me after mm. that mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. is, is mm-hmm. the sexiest thing. It's like, I could have the best sex, you know, the, the most physically pleasurable sex in the world with somebody 
But if you're bunk to me after the fact, it's like that's the worst sex I ever had. Fully fucking so, agree. I hate how many tops have just been like, all right, that was great. Let me call your Uber. I'm like, excuse me. I wanted to like cuddle a little bit. What the fuck was this? You know what? And this is why I'm always encouraging people to discuss what their needs and wants are in the whole spectrum before, during, and after. Just normalizing that for us. Because a lot of us, like, we have a lot of fear about saying what our needs are, even with something like birth control, even with something like safer sex tools. Like we don't want to tell people to use condoms. They're like, oh, I don't want to seem mm. like I'm being extra or like I'm or whatever. Or, yeah, exactly right. that. And it's like, you know what? Your boundaries are valid. And mm. if somebody can't respect, respect them, that. that's not about you, you mm. know? And it's like, we have to build a lot more capacity in ourselves for rejection right because sometimes mm. we set boundaries that people can't show up to and therefore it's like all right well i guess i'm just gonna have to not participate in this experience unfortunately because my pussy's so wet but like here we are <laughs> um oh my no, god the amount I mean? of times that you've mentioned your wet pussy i feel like you're just sitting in your own puddle of pussy juice just and i'm all, like literally all day every day <laughs> like that's why you see so many outfit changes from me like True. that's it's not because i'm vain it's because my pussy is is constantly so dripping like dripping the niagara wet. falls is i told jealous. you i'm i'm 35 my body is like you know in your prime you're in it's your a prime. prime i'm in my prime <laughs> in this fucking pandemic i was like i got like a gray pubic hair i was like did my prime come and go go in this oh. Oh, girl, I looked in the mirror and I saw my first gray facial hair and I was like, am I a daddy now? You're a, da Ooh, a daddy. Ooh, daddy. I love a daddy though. Like, I, I mean, I slept with the guy. So I was 25 and then I slept with the guy. He was 22 and then he called me daddy. That's a three year difference. I don't Are think that qualifies as a, um, that depends on like. <laughs> That's all that matters, right? Age play isn't about. I called. Okay. I see fucking people younger than me calling them daddy and shit. Like. Okay. True. <laughs> I, valid, I, actually, valid. I actually don't call anyone daddy. I, I I might go like a little bit of like DD, you know, but I don't like calling daddy. Um. Sir. Sir, I am very partial to sir. I will mm -hmm. call. I like to call somebody sir. Oh I, yes. Yeah, and I mean, I think too. It's interesting because like the way I feel is different if i'm talking about like sexual relation to other women or feminized mm -hmm. people right it's like mm -hmm. my whole energy and that dynamic changes as well so it's like i think opening ourselves up to what that dynamic can be is also important but hang on so what were we, we were talking about we were talking about everything everything <laughs> but like you know when it okay so to bring it back to this conversation of safer sex yeah. i think it's very important that so often when we talk about safer sex we think about the physical aspects of it. Right. We think about preventing pregnancy. We think about preventing this, preventing that. Ray, 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 ray. I mm. want us to shift our attention towards pleasure as opposed to away from pain. Right. I want us to focus on what we want versus what we don't want. Pleasure and over I prevention. Think, yes. And I also think it's really important that when we talk about safer sex, we're talking about safer sex in the emotional and spiritual ways. Yes. Right. How do we take care of ourselves? How do we have safer sex emotionally? And it's by mm. first identifying what our boundaries, both soft and, and hard or firm right. are right. and learning to communicate them to others and being willing for that, being willing for them not to be able to meet our needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Right. Right. Oh my god. I know. After it's care hard. is so important. Aftercare is so important after sex. The most. And like yeah. I would say, and like, you know, I've been making content for a long ass time. I'm very underrated on social media. You know this. I have like no Preach. followers. Mm -hmm. 
one of the most popular posts I ever made, because I don't really like making shareables or any of that shit. I did a post about aftercare and why I think it's important with vanilla sex, not just yes. when we're doing kinky okay. stuff. It's like, mm -hmm. why is this important? And it was like the most shared, the most commented, the most engaged with. And I've seen a lot of other sex educators bringing this into their practice as well. Not to say that it's not like, not to say, oh, they got it from me. I mean, like we all have kind of been like trying to move towards this, but now we're languaging it in this way where it's like, no, like how we treat each other after we fuck is just as really important as the important. actual fucking yeah yes mm -hmm. and that is part of safer sex and uh. what i you know i just posted about um i reshared a post i did about ghosting around this and why i think that oh, ghosting is great yeah. culture mm -hmm. and the way i feel about it is that if we can't have these conversations if we can't say to someone hey like i was tested recently or hey like i'd like to use condoms or hey i don't want to see you again then maybe we need to do some work on ourselves before we're out here fucking because emotionally, spiritually, we have a responsibility to take care of ourselves and each other. And I want to see people do that. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying like, let's be intentional. It be yeah. It needs yeah. to be done because like, we're only here for such a limited amount of time. Why are we going to bother each other with like pain and like, or the unsexy pain? Let's give each yeah. other sexy Ooh, pain. Yes. Spank I mean, me, dad. I haven't been spanked for like, 72 hours and i'm suffering i'm Girl, suffering i feel this I i'm feel suffering it. no mm. you know what and i think that like it's exactly that but it, it starts with that self-awareness of like okay so if we're thinking about birth control or we're thinking about um preventing SDI pregnancy or SCIs, all, all those things it's like we have to um you can't win if you ain't right within right it's like oh. i have to make word Put I've that on like, a shirt. Oh, you my know, God. that's, I mean, that's Lauren Hill, right? So oh, she, yes. yes. So I would, I would, I wish I could, I'd be like, <laughs> send you my invoice, babe. Um, oh, my God. No, yes. like, I think that, like, we have to be right with ourselves in terms of, like, what do I want? What do I need? What fits, what fits that? Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and, and go from there. Oh, and, that's, whew. That's and beautiful. it becomes so much easier when we, I forget who says it, but it's like, I think it's Audre Lorde where she says it's like, if you, when you get like, essentially like when you get right with your insecurities and your whatever, it's like, it can't be used to hurt you. So it's like, right. yeah. And it, and it doesn't mean, and it doesn't mean that things don't hurt. It just means that you have the tools to process it. Mm -hmm. there's and this, so there's this quote I heard from, remember that movie Princess Diaries? Of course, yeah. Of course, we all do. Uh, like, Joe the driver was quoting Eleanor Roosevelt. It's like, nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. Okay. That's I'm like, really I'm here for it. I'm here for and it. And I think, yeah, and I think that we have to, I mean, it's a very white lady thing to say. Because <laughs> they stay, they stay. Live, laugh, protected. love. <laughs> they, they stay protected in society and shit. But like, no, but I think there is something to be said about like, okay, where are my soft spots? Mm -hmm. And if I know where my soft spots are, I know when they've been touched mm -hmm. and I don't have to act from that place, right? right? And so uh. my advice around safer sex is always emotional and spiritual before it's physical. Oh, yes. Samantha, Viri, you are so full of wisdom. This Thanks, conversation honey. has been so enlightening and so wonderful. You've taught me and the listeners about so much about safe sex. I can't get enough of you. I'm pretty sure whoever's listening cannot get enough of you either. So where can people find you and what do you have to plug? 
You can find me on Instagram at Samantha underscore Biddy. Um, I have my show Sex Sessions out on Slice TV. So either you can access the episodes and the socials on slice.ca online or on Instagram, on TikTok. Um, What else am I, what can I talk about? Do I have anything in the works that I can't talk about, Yang? Your website. Um, My website, yes. So my website is samanthabiddy.com. Um, I'm doing coaching now, so I'm doing one-to-ones and relationships, partnerships, coaching around sex, relationships, and emotional intelligence, uh, college and university, you know, hit my agent up. I'm represented by the National Speakers Bureau. You can can holler at them. Uh, and yeah, that's it. It's like, just love it. Google me, you know, Google Mm. me out here. She's a working girl. Oh my God. (laughs) And I'll be presenting at Pride Toronto. I don't know if this will air after. Yeah, I don't know if it'll air after June 24th, but that's when. Oh, it will. It will. Yeah. There's going to be a while. So, Samantha (laughs) Biddy, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Uh, You are so lovely. You're so gorgeous. You are so beautiful. And I just love you so much. And to all the listeners out there, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. I'll see you at the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Sex Ed with Tim podcast. Sex Ed with Tim is created and produced by me, Tim Lagman. Music is Aces High by Kevin McLeod. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at GaySlutClown and at SexEdWithTim. You can also like and follow me on the Sex Ed with Tim Facebook page. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Even better, you can also support the show on Patreon, where you can get early access to ad-free episodes and more. Thanks for all your support, you dirty little slut. Mwah! Thank you.